Hello, welcome to episode 107 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review podcast. Each week, myself and a guest pick a comic, an issue, a series, or a run, and pick apart what makes it tick. Uh, This week, the return of a member of the Scottish Comics Mafia, comics creator, scholar, podcaster, and recently teacher, it's only Dave Robertson. Hey there, man. You're right. Very well. Thank you, Cody. How are you? I'm all right, man. Yeah, we're both complaining about how tired we were a minute ago, but I'm sure we'll be fine. Um, it's been. Uh, have you had a good comics week? Put it that way. Yeah, every week is a good comics week for me <laughs> uh, up here in Dundee. It's just comics all day long. You know, it's it's wonderful. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Thank oh, God for yeah. lockdown. I'll tell you this. Yeah. I I came home today to a package of the first five issues of Space 1999. Oh, wow. Charlton Comics. Oh, that's nice. Byrne did some covers, well, covers for that, didn't he? Byrne is involved, yes. And did Grey Morrow do some of the interiors, I think? I've got to be investigating that. Yeah. I, they can't have been cheap, Mr. R. They weren't. No, good cheap. man. They weren't cheap as chips, but, you know, it was a not bad price. Oh, good. Let's put it this way. They said, buy it for this price or make an offer. So I thought, well, I'll offer them half of that. Yeah. Expecting to move up. But they just went accepted. (laughs) So I went, yes, result. Nice one. Moonbase Alpha. Yeah, that was a great run. I I think I bought a couple of issues at the New York this year. Um or last New York, not this year, the last one, whenever that was, 2019. And I remember thinking, that's a lovely cover. I think it was John Byrne on the cover, actually, I think, from memory. Um, yeah. The thing is, we didn't really see Charlton Comics, did we, over here, or Gold Key or anything like that? I didn't ever see them as a kid. Um, I saw the odd one. Yeah. I, I, I do remember having read some, like $6 million, man. Oh, yeah, I bought them as well. They're good. Some Neil Adams yeah, covers on there. Yeah. I had, a, I had a result today. I went to. I never really look on that thing. You know the old Facebook Messenger, um, Facebook Marketplace, where it is. Mm. And I looked on it, and there was a lady um, selling comics about half mile from me. So I thought, well, oh. oh, that's good. So I messaged her and said, "Oh, can I pop over at lunchtime?" She said, "Come over." And I bought a load of Lion, Tiger, and TV comic from her. Oh. for quite a nice price. Yeah, not brilliant copies, but you know, I think she was the a UK bit... classics. Yeah, I think she was a bit nuts, so the house was sort of weird. It was like a building site. But anyway, she seemed nice enough. There you go. Yep, I hope she's not listening. Good. Dave, what have you chosen for us to talk about this week? I've chosen the Micronauts from uh, 1978, 79. Yeah, cool. And we're going to talk about the first issue tonight. Um Writer storyteller is Bill Mantlow. There's weird credits on this, aren't there? They're sort of writer storyteller for Bill and Michael Golden. That's right, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if it was a Marvel method thing or or what, but I think it was a Marvel method. Yeah, I think that's how they wrote it. But it's uh, writer storyteller Bill Mantlow, who we've spoken about before on here with, with one of his Hulk issues. You and I. Um, yeah. Storyteller artist Michael Golden, embellisher, which is another strange, rather than Inca, is is Joseph Rubenstein. Um, who we spoke about previously um, on his Wolverine run with Frank Miller. Um, letters, which he is not credited, I don't think. Oh, yeah, down the bottom. There you go. Tom Orzachowski, letterer. Glynis Ween, um, the better half of Len, is the colourist. And the editor was Al Milgram. Al Milgram, one of these people who, whatever we talk about, you and my, you and I, Dave, he seems to crop up somewhere. I think he's got his fingers in a lot of things there. Um, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. Um, did you notice who did the cover on this man? Because it isn't Golden, is it? Dave Cockrum. Exactly, yeah, Dave Cockrum. Yeah, and a lovely cover yes. it is. Quite an iconic one, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, did you want to give us, just before we go into your history with the book, could you give us, I know it's quite a complicated start, isn't it? But what's the what's the sort of general story about, mate? Well, uh, l- let me tell you that... <laughs> Prince Prince Argon <laughs> and Princess Mary are on Marie Mary are on yeah. the run from insurgents at the start of this story. Yeah, and uh, and we find that Argon Argon has called the time traveller character. Yes, also also known as Enigma Force. <laughs> That's and, weird, isn't it? What a weird coincidence that is. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and we find that um, there's soldiers attacking all over the place, and um, and and Baron Karza is our big evil villain. All in black with a helmet. What another coincidence that one is. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is slightly Lord Vaderish, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and he's captured Argon, Prince Argon. You know, this story is unbelievable. <laughs> just, do you know what got me? The very first line of dialogue, it's just full-on sci-fi babble nonsense, you know? For the love of Dalin, my my prince, the acro year air pilot dogs our heels. Okay, so we're taking no prisoners here. Yeah, full-on straight-away explanation yeah. is going on. So I don't know if it is acro year. I've heard acro year say. Yeah, I've heard both. As a kid, I would call it acro year. You're right. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, but I, I think that's wrong from what people seem to yeah, say. Yeah, a croyer I've heard as well, but it doesn't seem a to make croyer. sense that. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. So the, the story is going a, along in this fashion. And <laughs> I think there is a, there is another disconnect. Uh, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just try and run through the plot before we get into any thoughts about specific things. I don't know. Okay. Commander uh, Ran appears. Yeah, and he's he's coming back from a thousand years of having been away, and he's been in suspended animation, and now he's returning, and he should be returning as a hero, but he he gets fired upon immediately. Yeah, and um, and then a, a croyer and bug save him from a bunch of hungry aliens that seem to be wanting to eat him, uh, and then it's explained that he was, um, you know, he he was doing was it. Well, he was using faster than light drive, and, right. and now they've developed the warp drive, so they've they've totally outpaced him in the time. And it turns out that Baron Carza was is is equal is that old as well because he was his teacher at the yeah. um, at the Way unit of space when. science academy. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and that's been an interplanetary war <laughs> instigated by the evil Baron Carza. Then right, we get so a that... sort of we get a sort of. But you know, a pit fight, then, don't we? We get a Spartacus thing go on. They, yeah, the prisoners are all sent to big, fight. Uh, gladiatorial battle. And they fight this tank that looks like it's made out of shit Lego. Oh yeah, yeah, shit Lego. I must say, I'm I'm fond of that death tank because I had, I had one Micronaut toy as a kid. Oh, we're going to get into this, man. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that death tank's head is is the one piece that I've still got. <laughs> nice. It's stuck here with me right now. <laughs> that shit death tank's head. <laughs> I feel bad it's about here. calling it that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favourite Micronaut, Tony. Right, sorry, Matt. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Do you know what um, Rand's story about coming back and his events have overtaken him? Yeah, it was. It was like it really reminded. Do you remember Guardians of the Galaxy when it started? And the, yeah. the main guy he did that as well. Star Lord. Uh, no, it wasn't Star Lord, was it? It was um, the original before, team. Yeah. yeah, before he was in it, it was. I think it was Yo Margo. No, um, I'm oh. making, I can't remember the name, but the main guy did come back. Yeah, and and he'd been through. I mean, as far as you know, I should have checked, but as far as I remember, it was exactly the same. I think you're right, actually. Yeah, I forget his name now off the top of my head. But yeah, that's yeah, a weird one because that co comes full circle because later Bug is a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, they sort of escape, don't they? Um, and they sort of get let 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 go because over some... I'm not really sure the reason, but Kaza seems to say they're an unknown quantity or there's a chaos effect, so he lets them go, which seems a bit arbitrary. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he, he, yeah. He lets them go to try and find out what they're all about or something. Yeah, which is just bizarre. <laughs> and then um, he finds himself. They find themselves in the microverse, um, at the um, in the sort of fringes of it. And next issue, they break through, and we discover why they're really called the Micronauts is because they'll they become as more famously becomes uh, like tiny characters in the um, in the Marvel universe. So that's right. About the size of actual Micronaut action figures in the Marvel yeah. universe, and that's kind of their their shtick for a while, isn't it? Yeah, that was a nice touch that yeah. they actually were like the toys, yeah, uh, but running around alive. That that was 
That was quite cute. Wasn't In the it? sort of land of the giants kind of thing, isn't it? It's that sort of yeah. size. Yeah. Good yeah, man. It's quite a quick turnaround because this first, this first they cram story, it in, don't uh, they? Yeah, and <laughs> you know it's it's so in a way empty the story, but it's like also huge. You know, it's huge in scale. Yeah. Although it's it's all about nothing really, and and everybody's so serious about everything that's going on. You know. Yeah, they cram a yeah. lot of sort of like. Like big sci-fi big ideas fight, into it, don't they? Like a like a like we've just experienced in in that world with Star Wars, you know. Um, they stick stick all this sort of legendary stuff in, and then then they sort of escape and meet Man Thing. You know, it's a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, and they're getting nearly run over by lawnmowers and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite a quick turnaround. Yeah, uh, and and then um, and then we're running back to finish off the big. Uh, that's it. The end of the, the tour, which you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So you, thanks for that, man. That was good. So a condition of the license, believe it or not, in this was that um, the Micronauts couldn't appear in any other Marvel titles, but the characters from other Marvel titles could appear in their stories, which seems like a really weird condition. Um, yeah. Where did you first come across this, man? I'm guessing I'm going to I'm going to take a hazard a guess. It was in Star Wars Weekly or. Yeah, it was in Star Wars Weekly and it was in. Um, Star Heroes Pocketbook. I can't remember That's which right. one was first, but it was. It I was think it was both. Star Wars Weekly. Then it was Pocketbook, and then I think it went into a, a comic called Future Tense. Oh yeah. Um, which it was. I remember seeing because it had like absolutely amazing covers, didn't it? it had, like Storenko covers and all that sort of thing. That's right. Yeah. And and you know the funny thing was, um, as as a as you know and people might know. They would take these stories and split them up, so you would get four, five-page bits every time. Yeah. You would pick up a weekly comic, <clears throat> and so I wasn't always getting every part of the Micronaut story. Yeah. So I w- I would be reading it and thinking, well, I'm a bit lost here, you know, with all this going on. But then I found later when I got the entire issues, I was still bloody lost when I had all of it to read. You know? <laughs> so, like you say, and we were talking about this, so. What you told me before we came on is you only bought the first twelve issues, which is called um, the Rise and Fall of Kaza, isn't it? It's um, it's the sort of the the twelve issues that Golden did with him. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I I um, that's all I was really interested in. It was yeah. kind of years after the event. I thought I'm going to get those micronauts and read the whole thing. Yeah, and, it, and it really is kind of a natural end point. Issue twelve. I think you can decide to end there quite easily if you want. Yeah, yeah. And I did. <laughs> cool. So you've gone back and bought the coloured American comics of you, is that right? Or... That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm guessing at the same time you were a huge Star Wars fan. Is that right, Dave? Or Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is that what uh, sparked your interest, do you think? or? Well, yeah. I mean, my, my main memories of it were that it was one of the stories in Star Wars play, and uh, I really liked it. Yeah. And so yeah. that was it. Yeah, it sort of had that yeah. connection, didn't it? And it also had, when there wasn't much Star Wars stuff about, we had this instead, didn't we? You know, it was a bit of that, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, do you know who designed the characters? Who designed them? Uh, oh, for the, for the, for the comic. Or, for the comic, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Now, is it the You know, there's a page in here that tells you who the yeah, characters we get that, are. Yeah, we get like a breakdown of all the characters, which is quite useful. Especially when yeah, it's so complicated. No. I think both Stan Lee and Jim Shooter went, I don't really understand it. I think they're f- famous for saying that. Um, right. Yeah, but yeah, Bob, Hall, Bob Hall designed Bob them all. Hall. Yeah. Bob Hall, right. And then okay. it turned out he was too busy to draw it. And I think we kind of lucked out. As much as I like Bob Hall, he's a little bit... He's not as cool as Golden's pages became, you know, for me. No, Golden was, is the draw, man. His, his artwork is, yeah. stands up well now, even. George Perez think... wanted to draw it as well, but he didn't have the time. Um, the And Marvel wanted Jack Kirby to draw it. He didn't want to do it. I think he was coming to the end of his contract. And they also wanted um, John Buscema to draw it, and he turned it down. Um, yeah, so it's quite interesting that Golden was kind of almost like the fourth choice along the road, you know, when you think he didn't even get the initial cover for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept, and I think... It's interesting when you deal with these um, licensed products as well, because they're not always a success. I mean, you look at something like 
Star Wars or Conan even or Plant the Apes, they tend to be a success. But if you look at something like Shogun Warriors, for example, it wasn't at the time, you know? Um, yeah, I guess. I liked Shogun Warriors, though. I did as well. <laughs> I did, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But were you aware of the toys when you were reading the comic? Yeah, I knew there were toys because I had one. I had the Death Tank, Tony. You had that, that before head. you had the comic, yeah? Yeah, all at the same time-ish, you yeah. know. Um but it was only it was only the one I had. In fact, I can remember that I went in and they were on sale. Okay, I so don't what, remember that so at all. all. Yeah. They must yeah. must have been at the point where they'd tried to launch them here and it sort of failed. Yeah. yeah. So I went into the shop and there was a bunch of micronauts, you know, for, for half price or whatever. So the toys were pretty basic, weren't they? They were they're nothing like these characters, are they? No, and even the one I had, it, it, it's an aeroplane and then you can change it into a rocket and it's got that head and then by the time it's in this comic, it's a death tank. <laughs> yeah, I get you. And it was, um, there was all, if you look them up on Wikipedia, there, there was hundreds of them almost. Plus they all had motorbikes and bloody rocket ships and stuff like that. So there's a lot of um, Micronauts that never made it into the comic which is yeah. interesting. Now, do you know the Micronauts that were invented for the comic and never appeared as figures? Yeah, it was a lot of the main characters, yeah. wasn't it? The humanoid yeah, it ones, like, like Ran and uh, Marionette. And hey, I never, mentioned, I never mentioned, and I feel it's important, that Ran sees Marionette dancing around. That's right. And then he's in love with her right away. <laughs> yeah, even though she is at that point probably a robot. Yeah, that's right. And then yeah. it's like one and a half pages later or something, it's like, oh, the mystery's solved. She's actually Princess Marie. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it lasted about one page. This pretext <laughs> that she wasn't the princess. Yeah. yeah. Did you find that it was really easy to mix up Prince uh, Ar totally, Argon totally. and, and yeah. Arturus yeah. Ran? I mean, I found that. Yeah, because the man. prince the prince disappears and then Ran appears and you know get confused about who's who, you know. So the Micronauts originally um, came from a Japanese company called Takara in 1974. Did you know that? that was, uh, so they're originally something called Mike. I suppose this goes along with a lot of Japanese cartoons at the time, weren't they? Were just sort of refunctioned weren't they and put in given different names and some of them were sort of spliced together and put out yeah. and i think that's what they did with these because in 1974 they came out in japan then 1976 1980 migo licensed and manufactured them as micronauts um and they were mostly sort of four inch size they weren't like full action man size or anything like that were they you know i was quite tempted by um the time traveler oh off ebay yeah yeah. And I was looking and I was thinking, oh, the time traveler, you know, that would be good to have, you know. Yeah. But the more I looked at the figure, I thought, I don't want that piece of crap. <laughs> it's, I think their, it's their big so selling point. Cheap looking. Yeah, it is. Their big selling point was it had an, more um, articulation than other action figures. But yes. I'd have much rather, I remember buying like, you know, Greedo at the time and stuff like that. I'd much rather have had the Star Wars ones than these ones that don't really look like anything. Yeah, they yeah. look like they would just snap and you, and you, between your fingers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in 2002, Palisades Toys remade them, actually, um, which is interesting. And then there's been a couple of other people that have had a license for them as well. Um, and they also got um, a movie deal a couple of years ago, which I think as of about six months ago was shelved. Um, the comic Micronauts 1 came about because Bill Mantlo, this, well, this is how the story goes. You know these stories happen. You're not always sure if they're true or not. Saw his mm -hmm. kid's son opening um, one of the Micronauts toys at Christmas. And he then convinced Jim Shooter to get the comics license, which he went then went and did. Uh, and and Mantlo then wrote the story of them. You know, he wrote the... Uh, but he wrote it Marvel style. That's a hell of a fucking... Imagine just going in. I might try that with Marvel. Oh, my son opened these toys. I think it would be good for... You know, you can see him doing that, thinking that would be a good swizz. This story will spin out of it. I bet his son never had a toy. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I, bet he's, I bet he never had a son. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> um, series 1 ran 59 issues from January 1979 to August 1984 and two annuals as well. 
Um, artists would include Beyond, um, Michael Golden, Pat Broderick, Howard Chaikin, Steve Ditko, Rich Buckler, Val Mayerick, I'm a huge Val Mayerick fan, Keith Giffen, and I'm a fan of his, Gil Kane, who famously said, I've got his quote, it's the hardest goddamn book I ever drew, according to Gil Kane. What a poet. Um, Luke McDonald, Mike Vosberg, Butch Geis, and Kelly Jones would later draw the, the following series. Um, it was There was a spin-off called X-Men and the Micronauts, which ran four issues in, in January, January, from January 84, co-written by Mantlo and Claremont, art by Butch Geis. And then we got The New Voyages, which ran for 20 issues and was written by Peter Gillis. Now, Mantlo wrote all of the issues. He wrote the 58 plus two annuals of the series one, but he didn't write the last issue. That was written by Peter Gillis, um, who then took over The New Voyages. Um, now now we reach the dark and dirty days of uh, The Micronauts, which you and I, I don't know if you've tried to read them, Dave, but uh, 11, 2002, 11 issues from Image. Uh, 2004, three issues from Devil's Due. And 2016, IDW rebooted the series. Have you read any of them? No. <laughs> I tried. I'll be honest with you. There's a Micronauts thing with along with um, the Transformers, and it's fucking awful. It looks like something off a really bad small press table at Thought Bubble. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when you're used to Mike Golden, that's not exactly. really good enough, is it? Yeah. And... You know, I never gave anything a chance after issue 12. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I did buy the first annual. Uh, as you mentioned, Steve Ditko drew it. So yeah. I couldn't resist seeing how Steve Ditko drew these. And uh, I did like that one. Oh, cool. Yeah. I actually was rather taken with Pat Broderick's run on it, actually. I have to say, I really yeah. liked him. I think if anyone was there who visually was similar enough to Golden, I think it was him. Um, and he he did the story which had the... Um, had Was it Marionette's brother was infested by the, the, the mind of Kaza and taken over and came back as Ooh. a white-armoured Kaza who then, then became Baron Kaza sort of thing. There was a bit of that going on. But... Mm. Um, yeah, like you say, the, the golden stuff is probably the, the best stuff, we think. A novel series, um, which I have a book behind me from, um, the abandoned cartoon and abandoned movie, and that, that's been a recent thing. If you get Amazing Heroes number seven, it's the Micronauts issue, and there's some quite good interviews in there, including um, oh, one with um, Bill Mantlo. And the mm. Microverse, um, do you know when it was first mentioned? Mm. Was that an FF? It was, yeah. It was in an issue of FF. And do you know, I know we're not big movie fans, but do you know where it's been mentioned in the movie world? Uh, in Mission Impossible 3? <laughs> Good guess. No. And and no. the movie. Yeah, almost. Oh, Ant-Man. Oh, that makes sense. He would he would go down there and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> so, um, do you, are you, will you automatically even now pick up, this is a loaded question, pick up yeah. a book based on a toy license or is that something now as a, a more experienced and you know with with more copy more comics available to you would you just probably avoid it what do you think well it's uh, yeah i don't think it's something i would it would be a negative for me at this point i would say yeah yeah i would say i was into this because it was in star wars weekly and it was uh I don't know. It's it's funny because all the way reading this, it's definitely the nostalgia thing. Yeah. You know? Again, I mean, I couldn't really recommend this to any right-thinking adult <laughs> human being and say this is great. You know, read this. Yeah. So the sort it, of rose-tinted glasses of nostalgia. Yeah. 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 You know, it's utter pish, really. <laughs> you know, story-wise. You know, if a if a that, that's too harsh saying that, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah. I was well into it as a kid. Now I'm like, this is a, this is all toys, you know. Yeah. There's some there's some really classic bits that it adds to it because of that. Hmm. And in one of the issues, there's a load of the acroyers, and, and and they're trying to. F I think they go back, and it's like, well, are the acroyers good or bad now? They're not sure. Yeah. And it cuts and it cuts back to them, and they're all stood there and. And the caption says something like, "The acroyer's grim demeanour 
you know. And yeah. you look at it, and it's drawn as a load of <clears throat> bloody toy faces, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually really like the Akroyas. I think um, you had. Well, I think that's cool as hell, yeah. Because you had Prince Shaitan, who's kind of that's a terrible name, isn't it? Um, who was um, Baron Carter's sort of number two. Shaitan. Yeah, but you're just going full on Shaitan, yeah. <laughs> Prince Shaitan. Prince Shaitan. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, All right. Prince Shaitan, yeah. He was the baddie, wasn't he? And then you had Akroya, Prince of the Akroyas. They, they were the brothers that were yeah, against was... each other. Yeah. It was good. When I say it's pish, you, you understand that I love it. Oh, I, totally, man. And I have to say, yeah. I watched, there's a kayfabe on this where Tom Scioli, who occasionally appears on kayfabe, comes in and, and, and shows Jim Rugg and Ed Piscor this comic. And he fucking loves this comic. And you can tell it's through. You know, there's a bit of nostalgia going on. And he's fucking full on. I love this comic. And um, he, he says it's the first kayfabe where they almost turned into an argument because those other two just don't get it. And he said, what's wrong with you? I love this. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really like the designs of Akroya. I've got to tell you. And, and later on, we see his race, don't we? And they've all got... They're a bit like... Reminds me a bit of Rom actually, which is Milgram as well, isn't it? Where oh, yeah. there's a sort of various yeah. designs on a basic model, isn't there? Um, mm-hmm. They have all different headdresses and headsets and weapons, and they have these sort of these wings that look a bit like fans. That they fly yeah. out on, which I kind of you like. know they t- they take a long time to have him take his helmet off, don't they? That's true. Yeah, and then because I remember seeing him and thinking, oh, you know. Oh, oh dear! He looked dead cool with his helmet on, and then yeah. he's kind of this uh, weirdo-looking uh, moldy guy. Yeah, he sort of um, looks a bit like, like the oh. mummy or something like that, doesn't he? Sort of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that that took getting used to, you know. And I also like the relationship between him and Bug because they've got sort of a buddy cop relationship thing going, haven't they? Where a Croyer is sort of super serious, and Bug is always larking about, you know. Yeah. Okay. We- We'd seen Bugger that a bit with maybe uh, Nightcrawler and Colossus and those sort of things, yes. haven't we? Yeah, previously, and I kind of like that. Um, so let's break down the character. So we've got Arcturus Ran, who is returned from time to be the hero, the commander. Now, he's, as I say, he's one of the ones that Milgram created. I got utterly confused when I read this as a kid, thinking that he was the time traveller. Because they kind of look the same as well, don't they? Well, yeah. Well, doesn't he end up Sort of being him. He does, doesn't he? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or he's he's kind of the, the merge in some way, but a bit anyway. That's right. And it's like there always had been or something. It, it's yeah. still confusing. Yeah. Even when I reread it, I thought this isn't entirely clear. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got uh, the two main robots, which is Biotron, who's the co-pilot of Arcturus Rand's ship, the Endeavour, um, and then yeah. we've got Microtron, who's Marionette's robot. Um, who uh, Biotron is more sort of he looks more like a sort of oracle kind of human face thing, and Biot- he's he's more the C three PO, and Microtron is the R two D two, isn't he? Basically, that's what we've got there. Yeah, yeah. Without the human, except yeah, they both talk. So that's, that's right. That, yeah. that that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. Then you say you've got Marionette, aka Princess Mary Mari, who is the sort of sexy princess, um, the Princess Leia. If you will, if you will, then we got Akroya, who is essentially a sort of space knight, isn't he? He's, he's kind of a Jedi, isn't he? I suppose a Jedi knight in a way. Yeah, and he's uh, he's he's exiled or he's he's outcast from all the other Akroyers. Yeah, who who have all decided to go with Baron Karza, even though they call him Akroya, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's confusing as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just deliberately written to be confusing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then, and then we got Bug, who um, originally, apparently, was scripted, was called Jan, J-A-N. Um, and he oh. is, so you got Arcturus Ran, Ran, Bug, Bug. and um, Marionette, who were written by, written for the series. So that for that reason, Bug could be used in the Guardians of the Galaxy many decades later. As he was, so right. I'm not sure if that still stands, but I think there was a little kink in the in the in the in the in the lamp there where you could say, "Oh, he can be used. We can use him, but we can't obviously use a Croyer because he's an action figure." Mm. Um, I did buy a comic about ten years ago, a British, you know, the Panini UK yeah. 
yeah. stuff. And and I bought it because they were giving away a, a Spider-Man annual, and it was just full of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko stories. Okay. So you bought this issue for whatever it was, two, three pounds, and it had this big hardback annual. And so, having done that, I, I read through it, and one of the stories in it uh, uh, outran uh, one of the stories in the magazine, I mean. Yeah. Outran, outran uh, the Microns, they called themselves. We are the That's Microns. Right. Yeah. And it, and it was Ran, Bug, and Marionette, but not the, uh, not, not the ones that must have been toys. Yeah. And I thought, oh, look at this. There's, they must own those characters then. Yeah. So it's a bit like ROM then, isn't it? I mean, they, it they is a bit. And it's also the reason we're not getting the, the lovely hardback that we quite like, you know. Um, nice collection, yeah. But wasn't there an artist's edition of issue one? There's an artist's edition of Micronauts. I don't, I'm not sure what's in it, if it's got the first issue or not. It's quite hard to find now. I was looking to buy it and I couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Um, if anyone wants to buy it for me and Dave, feel free. Um, and I'll send you our postal addresses. There you go. Got that in there. There um, we go. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on to Michael Golden. I thought we could have a chat about him. Um, began his career as a commercial artist before entering the comics industry. Um, he had a friend of a friend who was a letterer um, at DC who basically he dropped some samples off with and she rang him back and said, oh, they're all talking about you. Get yourself in here. Um, is he an artist you've ever met before, Dave? No. He's done a few UK conventions. I think he did a he did that one that was at um, Earl's Court for a while, whatever that one was. I met him there, um, and I bought a couple of prints off him. Um, he's quite spiky. <laughs> what were your prints? Can you remember? Um, I think they were covers of Micronauts. I think I'll have to go and oh, check. I've got cool. them in a tube. I never put them up. Nice. They were sort of slightly wonky in the printing. So it was just nice to meet him and get him to sign something. You know, they weren't expensive or anything. Um, but, yeah, it was a bit spiky. I sort of had to talk him around. So he, uh, he looked to me, you know, in the way that people look at comic fans who don't have any ability to communicate, you know, to start with. And then you have to sort of warm them up, you know. Um, right. Okay. He, his early work included Batman and Man Bat within the comic Batman family. Um, and then he took over from Marshall, Rogers and Jack, I suppose, on Mr. Miracle um, before the DC implosion. Um, yep. Putting into that one. Did you read any of them, man? Or yeah, I I got those because um, I like. It's one of the few series actually that I I got all the Jack Kirby Mister Miracles and then I oh, kept nice. on and, and read past that. Yeah, because <laughs> usually I go right in the huff when I've decided, you know, no, I'm not having any more of this, you know, no. <laughs> and you know, it could be it could be fabulous, you know, bring in Pat Broderick is great. Ah, uh, no, I'm not, no. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes. Well, well Mr. Miracle, because uh, the, the the Marshall Rogers, Mr. Miracle's there. Amazing. Sublime. Beautiful. They they're almost amazing. too well drawn for the paper they are on sometimes, I think. Yeah, they're incredible. And we get a bit of that in this one, in Micronauts, don't we? We almost get this sort of some smudgy um, lettering yeah. occasionally and stuff like that. Um, yeah. The the first page is with horses. Um, mm. The some of the stuff in the in the sky there doesn't quite work it would work more in a a more sort of richly printed you know um heavy metal or something i'm I'm guessing you know sort of thing um yeah but yeah i remember reading those um those mr miracles i remember thinking he was a good fit with marshall rogers to take over wasn't he really there's there's Mm -hmm. there's a flow there somewhere um yeah his first marvel work was a backup in marvel classic comics he describes in an interview i watched today at you could just walk backwards and forwards from marvel so you used to like to go over and see them what they had that they had doing um he as we say before he illustrated the micronauts for the first 12 issues he also worked on the defenders doctor strange 46 and 55 um of which tom stewart sent me one of those issues recently very kindly your buddy um he worked in how worked on howard the duck magazine the nam um issues 1 to 1 to 11 and issue 13 star wars 38 Believe it or not. Oh yeah, just one issue, yeah. and Uncanny X Men two seven three and Annual seven. Did you read any of them, man? Or uh, of that lot, I, uh, I I got the Nams. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, um, that was like ten years after this. It was Making quite a distance off. after it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's his drawings of the the faces had got more cartoony in a way, which was interesting for a well. 
it was ostensibly meant to be a more serious comic, wasn't it? The yeah, more sort of caricatured almost, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it looked great, though, again. I, and that Star Wars one-off that he did is legendary, you know, in oh, my is it? mind. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's phenomenal. Oh, I might have a look for that. That's good. I, yes. I remember the Uncanny X-Men stuff he did. I mean, he did some House of Secrets and House of Mystery at DC as well. Um, uh, X-Men, did he do it? I don't know if I had any of his X-Men. Two Is that the regular? Two, seven, three. And annual no, seven. That's maybe a bit late for me. Okay. Yeah, I get you. Um, mm. He also created Bucky O'Hare. Um, yeah, of course he did. Yeah. How could I forget that? That was epic, wasn't it, off the top of my head? Tom, Tom uh, loves Bucky O'Hare. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. We love niche things, don't we, in this hobby? Yeah, we like I had we a like. Bucky O'Hare. You know, Bucky O'Hare, funnily enough, in the early 90s, it was being published through DC Thompson's in Britain. Oh, right, okay. They were they were reprinting it or, or something, and there was a DC Thompson's Bucky O'Hare comic that came out, and, you know, you could buy it on Asda and all that. I wonder if that was connected to the because of the video games they had out. Could be, yeah. yeah. And it was on telly, wasn't it? It was a... I think you're I think right, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he, Arthur Adams describes him as an influence. Um, yeah. And he sort of half-jokingly says in an interview today that I saw him in that um, Arthur Adams ripped him off. But I think he was joking. Um, he was also an editor and an art art director at Marvel for a while, um, interestingly. Um, didn't He hasn't done a huge amount, has he? That's not a huge list of work, bearing in mind mid-70s when he started, I suppose. His work does look very labour and time intensive. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like he's, you know, bashing out a page a day or anything. Yeah, that page one when you open it, it's it looks more heavily designed than I expected at the time from a a Marvel comic. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. He's got is that zipper tone at the top there? He's got across that through the black and white. Yeah. Thing. I don't know if that would be down to Joe Rubinstein or not. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's true. I often put that down to the inker. Yeah. Because Tom Palmer's always throwing stuff like that in. I get you. Yeah. And but this the, the, the sort of skyline, as you were, the mm-hmm. sort of space temple or whatever that is meant to be, the buildings. It's almost like yeah. there's a minimalistic the, the shapes are lovely, but the, the, it's not full of lines, is it? It's an interesting technique there that brings your eyes forward to the the horses in the foreground. But it That's rather right. neglects the fact that you've got a Croyers over them about to kill them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, weird yeah it looks like there's a lot of thought going into it. Yeah. Yeah, it is quite beautiful. And he uses a lot of negative space, doesn't he? He uses a lot of no borders on some yeah. of the... the on especially two and three there. I, I just love those pages. Um, and a lot of solid colours as backgrounds as opposed to, you know, intricately drawn backgrounds in a way. Yeah. Um the one that I I was slightly put out by, put off by, was page eleven, Dave, uh, panel page two. Um, uh-huh. When you got the face, just seemed a bit. He's got like some huge oh, yeah. chin, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the first hint of the kind of cartooniness. Yeah, that's what I thought you meant. Actually, yeah, that's that reminded me of that. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what the the one underneath in the middle there? Yeah. The fire panel. That one. He goes. He he goes here, and it's fire. Yeah, and that's a good example of. He's really into. He, he draws physical action on characters. P- people's bodies are thrown around. You know, contorted yeah. all the way through this. Yeah, yeah, he does. There's always he? mad screaming and ah, you know, and everything looks terrible. Like they've been absolutely blown to pieces. And he, 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 throws, he throws angles in a lot, doesn't he? He throws weird upshots and, you know, we get, um, is it that page 11, I think, or page 10, I think it was. We get the, um, yeah, we get the sort of strange view of the Endeavour in the air there, surrounded by zipper tone. But the soldiers on the right, it's a, it's a weird, it works totally, but it's a weird view upwards, isn't it? Yeah. Um, really cool, though. I mean... The way um, he titles this, this is done in chapters. So Homecoming is chapter two and um, Homeworld is chapter one. It's done almost like... Um, you, Spider-Man movies. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like... I was going to say like um, London Calling, you know, the, uh, the the album. Oh, yeah. Where you've got the side-scrolling yeah. words and then the top as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, which was a thing of the that Elvis cover, wasn't it, I think, in the end. But, yeah, there's some lovely design work on this. And... Um, 
like you say there man it fits in so much story it's like fucking oh, non-stop yeah. yeah this would be this would be um 12 issue run this issue now i'll tell you now if it was done at marvel now yeah we'd have you know, an issue was, in the prison wouldn't a, we when i reread this um last through the last week for tonight yeah you know that right at the start it, i found there was a disconnect um Especially when you think of like the Star Wars loving generation that would have yeah. been reading this, because at the start, it, well, this says rebellion. It's not a very lovely word. That's the caption. And then as you're reading it, there is a, a load of people kind of taken over from the powers that be, and yeah. it, and it takes a bit before you realise. Oh, we're on the side of the ousted of the royals, yeah. hereditary rulers here. Yeah. You know, they're the good guys that are being hard done by. The the, the rebellious people are they're the bad ones. Yeah, I think you're right, man. So I thought that's that's an interesting choice to make. Yeah, I suppose maybe um he had to he had to oust them as rulers before he could bring them back again, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes sense. Because as it goes on it gets clearer that yeah. the side is more what we're used to. Yeah, and it's the old princess thing, isn't it? You know, they I think Star yeah, Wars is basically that, you know, it's like a, yeah, right yeah. a fantasy thing. Um, the other thing that reminded me as a young reader, having been in love with stuff like Robusters um, very briefly and um, the sort of the robots of 2008 is I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, this is like Robusters when I saw that big tank come in. So I don't think mm -hmm. I read issue one straight away. It might have been a couple of years later that I read issue one. But when that big um, death tank comes in, I thought of um, some of those big, you know, is it Charlie's War? Not Charlie's War. What's the big, you know, the massive rope, Mechquake and all that lot. I thought oh, yeah. of that a bit when that came in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sort of death by metal, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So, the, obviously, the other people drawing this could have been Kirby, one of the other people. Do, do you see it as being, how do you see that? Did, did that can you, I, I can certainly imagine how nuts he would go on this. And, as much as I love Kirby, you know, he's my favourite artist, I, I can't see it lasting 59 issues if Kirby did it. <laughs> you know, if we were, if we just let him do it. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, it could have. If, if you just said, if they'd let him do it. Yeah. You know, if, he'd let, if they'd let him do anything, it could have ran for a thousand issues. Yeah. yeah. From one point of view. Yeah, I'm just thinking this um, is just after stuff we had, like the Eternals and... Yeah, right, yeah. and stuff which didn't didn't last enough didn't sell enough you no know? i think by by that time you've got i mean kirby's got a lot of baggage isn't he then i yeah. mean everybody knows what kirby's about so they've got expectations of him that he's either living up to or not and you know but mike golden's just some new kid on the block here yeah so all you have to do when you read this is go wow who's this yeah and you, and you wouldn't have thought that when it was a jack kirby Comic. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he does cite Mantlo does cite Kirby's Fourth World as an influence on this. Uh, interestingly, yeah, you can sort of feel it. Can't yeah, you? I mean that yeah. that bug character. I mean, yeah, my God, he's just lifted right out of New Gods, was not he? Yeah, 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 Forager, or it was. Yeah, yeah, one of those. Yeah, things. yeah. Um, it also, um, interestingly, does hold a place in history. This series because at the same at the same month, Micronauts, Moon Knight, and Kazar. Um, were the first comic shop only titles to come out of Marvel, and they were almost like um, a pilot project to test direct market sales, um, and they did quite well. They sold very well as a direct market experiment. So that's the reason you can blame Micronauts, Moon Knight, and Cars on Micronauts for a third of it as the reason we only can buy comics in comic shops now because <laughs> they oh. were only for sale. I remember hearing that. I think I read it somewhere um, as a kid and thinking, "Oh, that means I won't be able to buy Micronauts in the newsagents." Yeah, so I had to go and hunt them down in comic shops, which took me half an hour to get to. There's a bit of that. It's a shame. Okay. Yeah, that's. I guess I'd have a similar story, except there wasn't a comic shop to go to. Right. Okay. So, so I I win in in terms of poor me story there. <laughs> yeah. I think. Good, Dave. So it was. I tell you what. I took a <laughs> I took a big dive into Micronauts. I get quite yeah. obsessed with these little Good. projects um you and, and and others have come up with um the same as jim woodring with with johnny cannon a few weeks ago or last week the i just i just utterly like covered myself in micronauts comics and laid there for a few hours you know 
So uh, yeah. I went I went and read all my Micronauts. I had a little story with you, didn't I? Because I couldn't find my... I still can't find my my first issue. It's in a long book somewhere. Oh. So I ended up buying one off eBay. Didn't get it. Got in dispute with the bloke who sold it to me. <laughs> had to put in a, a claim. He refused it. It's still being decided at the moment. So I ended up buying another one. So I've actually... This was the third issue. The third version of um, issue one of Micronauts that I've ever bought in my life. Um and then I bought. I managed to weirdly. I went to MCM now. MCM not being famous for having actual comics at it, and I managed to pick up almost an entire run of Micronauts: The New Voyages, which um, are also in a long box somewhere that I couldn't find, um, and which was quite nice. There was more. Um, there was a hundred times more back issues at MCM than there were at Thought Bubble recently, which is a shame. Um, right. But yeah. I also managed to dug out the ones I could find. I found one of the Gil Kane issues. Um, yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, yeah, gorgeous man, um, and also um, issue twenty one, which was um, has a, like a backup story in it, so it's only half a Micronaut story, um, done by Pat Broderick. This is a, I think this is like a Christmas one. They're fighting Plant Man, uh, and then uh, in the back they had Tales of the Micronauts, My, Tales of the Microverse, which is um, narrated in a sort of un- the Crypt Keeper what kind of way by um, the Time Traveller. I the, uh-huh. I'm the time traveller, your guide and your guardian. While while the Micronauts encounter adventure upon Earth, events are taking place in the molecular world known as Spartak. And it's a story of um, Acroyas um, and mm-hmm. uh, going to battle, going to battle something or other. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit different. Almost at the time, I remember feeling a little bit cheated because it seemed a bit filler, you know. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah, that's all right. And then I bought. Um, I found another issue which was I don't know if you remember this, but they did like wrap around covers with them for a while. Um, all right. Yeah, and this one is a Bill Mantlo script, uh, Micronauts forty six, and it's Luke McDonnell and Danny Bulanadi. I can't ever say his name as the Inca. Um, and it's quite a nice one. That's another nice one. And it's got the um, the sort of beast like character that they had for a while as well in it. Do you remember that one? It was like a red version, a pink version of the beast, um, called the Devil. No, no he looked exactly like the beast. Um, oh. but uh, he kept changing I think he went to grey in that one I'm not sure if that was just a colouring accent I can't remember but yeah good good stuff man that was a good little dive um, yeah you should we move on to you now so anything else you want to say about that issue man or I want to say I like the bit when <laughs> a croyer is page 27 right so we've got a little bit where they show you how tough a croyer is yeah he's fighting with the other robots and he says, you dog, I have a message for that traitor prince you serve. Tell him there is a blood feud between us. And then he cuts the robot's head off. He says, and tell him I will have his head. Well, how yeah. does he tell anyone? He's just chopped his head I'm, off. Well, I like that, yeah. Tell, I've yeah. got a message for that traitor prince. But, well, you better not cut his head off then. Yeah. But he does cut his head off. <laughs> yeah. I thought he's got carried away with enthusiasm there. Yeah. Either that or, or Bill wasn't really paying much attention. He wasn't feeling it that day. In fact, that page is a little less rendered than the the last two, I'm thinking. You're right, actually. But yeah. look at those dramatic... I mean, that that Arcturus run, running picture in the first panel, what angle on him. Yeah, it's I just, know. It's incredible, he doesn't it? have a He doesn't have a, a top half to his body. It's just legs and two arms coming out. Yeah, it's... It works, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's it's very cartoony in a way, and and the same on the other page there, bottom left. That's another very dramatic. Yeah. Running. I like the way I said it before. I like the way he draws people's bodies yeah. moving around. Yeah. There's it's a Neil Adams element top. occasionally to it, isn't there? You know that. Um, yeah. One, one one foot's in one side of the page, and you know. The, I think um, Stan and Jim both asked him to um, change his art style up a bit more. Um, and mm. You see that during the um, Captain Universe issue that comes up. I think right. For me, that was the most marked change where it's hard to say what he does, but it doesn't seem quite as loose as we had in those pages. It's more right. like, um, I don't even know, it's, it's not even like more like the last page. It's, it's much more sort of together. He uses a lot of light effects and stuff, doesn't he, on a lot of the pages. You see... Yeah, he does some good stuff with colour. There's a lot of like colour overlays and things. Yeah, it's not just it's not just all black shapes coloured in. A lot of the time, the the actual uh, objects themselves will all be red ink. See. Yeah, yeah. 
the second to last panel i keep i keep looking at it and i'm not actually 100 percent sure what it is what and page you on here on the last page on page 31 oh yeah last what, page. what is that second to last panel uh i see it. Mm. I, sure. yeah that's very vague but i took it to be kind of um round entry points in this universe that uh, okay going through but yeah there's a lot of interpretation required to see that the bit at the bottom looks to me like engines yeah it does doesn't it? It. that's yeah. what i thought and then but the the top section seems to be slightly disconnected from it which would be the top yeah. bit of the endeavor yeah, it's a strange one, that, isn't it? Unless it's showing some kind of effect as it passes through or something like that, you know, the fabric the fabric of space. That comes up. This is a good example of something that does come up with his drawing and that, that everything's drawn great, but sometimes you can't follow what's happened from one panel to the next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like somebody will shoot someone, but you don't see them shooting, and by the time you get to the next panel... They're not standing there with the gun, having shot. You're not. You don't yeah. really know yeah. who did it what. And I, I made a note of that, and I didn't read it out because I felt a bit bad about it. But I actually felt that the flow was a bit off somehow. The, yeah, it's between, chaotic. Yeah, be, and I might that might be because um, it wasn't fully scripted. It was Marvel style. So, yeah. you know, you've got um, Michael Golden here, who's fairly new to comics. You know, yeah. and he's given a Marvel style script, and he's like, fucking hell. You know, had yeah. it been a panel-to-panel -panel description for from an older writer to a newer artist, it might have worked a bit better. But yeah, mm -hmm. I get you, man. It's, some of the pages seem to be just just images. Some of them flow well. You know, the fight with the robots that like you're talking about, the Acroyas in the air, works well in yeah. those last sequence. But some of the other stuff, you're thinking, it doesn't work between panels for me. I'm not really sure what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and as a kid, I think it would have probably, and I would have read it a few times as a kid, but it would have taken me a few a few goes to work out what's going on with it. It's not the one yeah, you can scan means... through and not read and work out. Sometimes you can, can't you? You know. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You'd be lost. <laughs> Good old man. So um, let's move over to you, Mr. R. You've had, um, as always with you, it's a busy comics making time, isn't it? So what's what's the newest project, man? Um, well, right now I'm, I'm finishing off one of my stories for the that comic smell comic the second issue yeah the second issue so it's all it's all written and drawn and I'm, I'm just about three quarters of the way done coloring it oh nice and it, it's called taking the bus <laughs> taking the bus is what it's called <laughs> and it, um what else i don't know there's been um there's been a couple of things came out there was that that, that zine us zine after that Okay, I had a I had a Tomic in there, right, right, and uh, the third Sarah Ra 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 came out by Olivia Hicks. Yep, and I sneaked a story in there. Now is she an editor at Rebellion or something now? She is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw yeah, on a Thought Bubble video. Or she, I've not seen it yet. Someone said to me she was in a Thought Bubble video or something. Yeah, yeah, she's got a she's got a, a civilian identity day job as a editor. Person oh, nice. at the yeah. Okay. Good. And uh, I just had a call. Did I tell you I, did, I was doing my comic about the polar bear in Dundee? I don't, don't know about that. <laughs> no, it. I don't think so. No, this is. Yeah. So that's like a, a true story comic I did. It was based on a, a polar bear in the 1800s that ran about in the Dundee city centre, <laughs> ran, in, ran into shops and things. <laughs> so I did a comic about that. Genius. Where's that going to be, dude? I did that for, you know, Tony Foster? Yes. And his yeah. comic scene and all his kind of projects. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, somebody's invented something, uh, oh, I should get the name right, but it's like not a Scotland, Scottish comic book day or something like that. Okay. So you put up a call, anybody Scottish or Scottish Connection or what have you, want to do a comic. Yeah. Uh, I said, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I thought, right, well, I'll do one about the polar bear, yeah, yeah. Oh, good stuff. I like polar bears, you know. And we've also obviously both been in DUI recently, which sold out as of yesterday. Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. That was good. That was well done, eh? Yeah, it's good. I think it's almost a grand it raised for refuge. That's pretty good. 
good. Yeah, and I think they're still selling digital copies if you find Implausible 17 somewhere on Twitter. I'm sure she can point you in the right direction. Um, Excellent. Good stuff. Um, and the other thing we were talking about, we mentioned it when we started, but you've been doing some teaching at the school as well, Dave, yeah? Uh, well, yeah. T- uh, uh, I'm not a teacher, but I, I go in and um, my Tay Bridge disaster comic I did yeah. is in some yeah. of the schools in the in the, the local area, you know? Oh, that's nice. And, I, yeah. and so uh, I got, I, I was asked in, because it's, it's been Scottish Book Week. I think that's right. the name of it. Right. Okay. And so they get authors in, and so they asked me to go in, and I'd, I'd give them, it was like 12, 13-year-olds in the class. Nice. And I'm just I'm just going over what comics are available in, in regular shops. Yeah. For them. They won't be able to find a proper comic, will they? No one can find them these days. It's like a secret code that we can get to a comic shop and buy them. <laughs> he seems to know where yeah. they are. So you've got to din- yeah, thank I'll, God for Panini uh, and Commando, you know. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was telling them about that kind of thing. Yeah. In the in the Beano and uh, even like the Doctor Who, the oh, magazine still got the comic in it sometimes, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I just go over that with them, and then um, uh, a little bit about uh, different storytelling, little tricks and things. You know, just stuff that we would know, like what's going on in the gutters in the comic. And, okay, that's nice. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. Because I think that's interesting, you know. You never know. They might pick up, start picking up some comics. And this is the way it's yeah. all we've got to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw the little action shot of you on Facebook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. I was I was going over one of the pages in Tabridge Disaster and taking them through the research in it and then the laying it out and the pencil in it and the, the ink in it and putting the washes on and scan it and all that, you know. Yeah, lovely, mate. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just doing it because if somebody had done that when I was 12, I would have lapped it up at school, you oh, know. Mate. So yeah. hopefully some of them, you know, they do see, there's different levels, different. I always get them to do a little um, exercise as well, you know. Yeah. Like what? what's your favourite movie? What's your favourite TV show or whatever? And, now, now do that story, but but make it like a one page thing, and pick your favourite bits and all that, you know. Yeah, and you fun. see some of them right away; their eyes widen and they're into it, you know. Yeah, school's fun others... now, man. What's happening? I used to just get slippered by Brother Lawrence. This sounds fun. I don't, I don't like the sound of him. <laughs> and um, what have you got coming up on this comic smell, man? You, um, we just had the dinosaur one, haven't we, recently? That was a good one. Like That's that one. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dinosaurs. Yeah, Mr. Sadaka did a sort of Cockney accent at the start of that one, which made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. We did one since then, and we definitely talked about something, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm never going to get the hang of this. Tom will be after you. Yeah. I know that, I know that we're... Uh, we're looking that we're. I think the next time we're, we've agreed we're going to talk about Urwally and the Bruins. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, it does. Well, you know me and my yeah. Scottish heritage, my friend. Of yeah, course, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm never I'd, quite sure how famous Urwally is. Not at all in England, I've got to tell you. Not really at all. Oh, um, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well, you can learn all about them. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, the Bruins. I got. Um, I used to get bought that when I went up there. Um, they, they used yeah. to have like annuals out. That's what I used to get. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like a path, wasn't there? Like a you could follow, you could find all the Urwillies or Woolies. Yeah, in uh, right. Glasgow that time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they did it in Dundee first. Oh right, okay. They had loads of Urwillie statues all over Dundee, and then they did it in Glasgow as well. Because well, there's an ongoing conversation about whether Urwillie and the Bruins are set in Dundee or in Glasgow, <laughs> and, and depending on which you're living in or from you you go that way you know yeah i get you uh, cool i know that they're based in dundee for instance yeah obviously yeah 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 um <clears throat> good stuff dave mate thanks again another great episode um yeah thank you johnny uh where can we find you online man where can we buy your comics you can look for me at fred egg comics come on <laughs> do it because they're very good i am um, i had a lovely sunday reading your last comic man and I, I sat there i was early for the comic shop and there was like a little cafe in the park and i sat there having a coffee and it did put a big smile on my face man cracking stuff yeah always oh, good. good yeah good yeah um good stuff um 
so go there you can find me at patreon.com forward slash tribute press um we are just finishing the last issue of flesh and ink as i speak and next we've got is hank fur spelt p-h-u-r um by me and mr daryl Thorpe, which is uh, another another slice of fun um if you have got any echoes in this episode i apologize there's something up with mine and dave's recording but i'll do my best in a minute to um get them all out um come back in a week or so echo <laughs> come back in a week and uh i've got another scotsman back and we but with this time we might be talking about a western so let's see how we get on there dave cracking mate we'll have a chat in a minute about another one but yeah thanks that mate mm-hmm.